reading his Old Testament prophets every single day? N- not really. That's, you, you've, good luck finding it. There's just a few pages in the Old Testament. Or on your device, your uh, phone, whatever. If you don't have a Bible, in the pew there we have Bibles. And if you don't have one, that's our gift to you today. Hosea chapter 10 is where we'll start today. I have two words for you today. Grace and peace. Those are important words. They matter a lot in our lives. Our mission here at Gateway, it's on your bulletin. If you got one, it's right at the top on the front page. And those of you from Gateway know our mission. I'd love for you to say it with me. Our mission is to grow closer to Christ and encourage others to grow closer to Christ. And we believe that we do that through four, at least four methods, and we try to concentrate on these. This one stands for the Word. We, we start there in our life with every single thing. We want to read God's Word. And that's every decision we make, every step we take, everything that we do, we want to start with God's Word. And then A stands for acceptance. And we believe whenever we know we're accepted by God, we're going to grow closer to Christ. Whenever we accept others, we're going to grow closer to Christ, and so will they. And the L is obviously love. That's an easy one, right? And when we serve, we know that we're growing closer and closer to Christ, and we're encouraging other people to grow closer to Christ. These are the ways we accomplish our mission. And the K stands for kingdom, all right? And so when we invite people to the kingdom, we're going to grow closer to Christ, and they're going to grow closer to Christ. We also believe, and this is a really important DNA at Gateway, is we believe in being uh, at the forefront, trying to work hard for the unity of all believers. And so I want to invite you tonight, uh, I don't want to stop anybody who's having a small group, that's great, I'm not trying to stop those kind of things, but tonight if you don't have anything going on at 6 o'clock, we have our annual Thanksgiving service, community Thanksgiving service, so Twice a year, the churches in Rudoso meet together at, at Thanksgiving and then during the Easter season. And tonight, we are meeting over at the Catholic Church just down the road here. And I get to say one of the prayers tonight. Bobby Barnett, who's been one of our teachers here and helped us, he'll be the speaker tonight. And so we believe that we want to be a part of the unity of all believers, gathering together when other believers gather together in our community. And I'm just going to say one more little thing about that. About 10 years ago, every one of these services, the people who would be there more than anybody else at those services was the gateway members of this congregation. We would fill those pews up. And people were like, wow, you guys from Gateway really believe in the unity of all believers. And I believe that we still believe that. I think that. Maybe I'm naive, but I think we still believe that. But I think it's easy to begin to take things for granted. Have you ever taken a person for granted? Have you ever taken a blessing for granted? Oftentimes, if we don't work at something, if we don't maintain something like the unity of the Spirit, we can lose that. And so I really do encourage you as a work of our Christianity, as a step of working hard to maintain the unity of all believers, that you would join us tonight at the Catholic Church at 6 o'clock. We're finishing this series 
called relentless love. And I want you to listen to these words. I'm going to say a whole bunch of words, and I want you to think about these words, and I want you to think, what might these words describe? Wishy-washy. Flip-flop. Vacillating. Wavering. Waffling. Indecisive. Inconsistent. Hot and cold. Fickle. Uncertain. Variable. Temperamental. I wonder when you hear those words, what you might think they describe. I'm going to give you my opinion. It's just my opinion about three things I think those words describe. First of all, I think those words describe politicians. And in my opinion, they describe, it's my, my experience, they describe every politician I've ever paid attention to. Politicians are wishy-washy. It also, in my experience, oftentimes, this may be a gross overstatement, but it also seems to describe flirtatious people. And so if you're a flirtatious person today, I'm sorry if, I, if I'm offending you, but flirtatious people can oftentimes be very, very fickle people. And the last thing that I, it's not just my opinion, it's just a fact, and that is cats. Cats are inconsistent. Look at how sweet, and then look how quickly that can change. That's just the truth, in my opinion, about these words. I'm wanting to contrast those things today as we finish this study in the book of Hosea with the word that we've been concentrating on, and that is relentless. God's relentless love. If you get nothing else from this book that we've studied, I hope that you will get this. God is not wishy-washy. God's love is not fickle. His covenant with His people does not waver. His ability to forgive does not run hot and then cold. God's love is relentless. It is unyielding. It is fierce. His love is determined. God's love is unstoppable. That's God's love. Let's pray, and then we'll read from Hosea chapter 10. Lord God, it's hard for us to believe what I just said. I'm just being honest and confessional, God. There are many days that we don't believe it. We need your help. We need your help to believe what your word says. So today, I pray if there's any person who doubts your love, your character, if there's any person who thinks that your love depends on their actions, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would gently and lovingly open their heart today to the truth of the Bible and that they might be changed. That, that this day in November, 
in 2017 would be the day that they would remember and tell people about, I remember that day that I finally believed it. Do this work in our hearts today, God. We desperately need it. Lord, as our habit is, we want to pray for another gathering today, another group of people who are trying their best to follow you. And so today, God, we pray for the Catholic Church. We thank you that they're willing to host this meeting tonight. God, I pray for Juan Carlos, and I pray that as he preaches today, that he will clearly preach what the Bible teaches about Jesus, about how awesome Jesus is, I pray that people will know Jesus better because of the words that Juan Carlos says. And I pray most of all that people will hear that our only hope is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no other hope. I pray that they might hear that, and I pray that you would draw hearts towards you because of that. Thank you for this gathering of Christians today, God. Thank you for those that are guests today from out of town. We pray for your traveling mercies on their lives as they go home. Thank you, Lord, for those who are guests who may be here today thinking of placing their membership or making this their church home. We just ask you, God, to uh, work powerfully in their heart. And those that aren't here today, God, those that are traveling or those that have to work or those who, for whatever reason, because of hardships in their life or choices, just couldn't be here today, God. And we pray for them. And we ask that you would bless them just as well as us today. They might know that they're loved as well. We pray all this through the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And everyone said, Amen. Hosea chapter 10, we'll begin reading in verse 12. Hosea 10, verse 12. Sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers His righteousness on you. This is God's invitation to the people of Israel. And now look at verse 13 and see their response but you have planted wickedness. You have reaped evil. You have eaten the fruit of deception because you have depended on your own strength and on your many warriors. Verse 12 tells us God is inviting His people to plant good things, to enjoy God's love, to keep a soft heart, to seek the Lord. That's the invitation from God. But verse 13 explains what Israel has done instead. Planted wickedness. Been deceptive. Depended on something other than Jehovah God. And as people, right here today, in 2017, we know that our love and our commitment, we know this about ourselves. It's wishy-washy. Just like the Israelites. And that universal truth about people all people who are willing to be honest look inside themselves and be honest with themselves. That truth then can make us think something that's not true. And that is that God is probably wishy-washy too, just like us. 
It's because our hearts condemn us. We know we don't deserve this kind of love that the Bible talks about. We don't deserve it. And so our hearts condemn us. I just am going to take a little small step aside for a moment from our text in Hosea to share something with you all that I've shared with people for probably more than a decade. But this week I've shared it three times. And so God just, I thought maybe God was trying to nudge me a little bit towards saying this to all of us. Maybe this is something all of us need to hear. And that is that there's a difference. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. John 16 says that the Holy Spirit, one of the things that He does is that He convicts of sin. Well, what does that look like? I believe it looks like this. I believe that this week when I spoke to somebody unkindly, in a harsh way, in a way that I should not have, what does conviction of sin from the Holy Spirit look like? It looks like this. It looks like the Holy Spirit who the Bible says lives inside of me says, John, that action, the way you spoke to that person, that was wrong. That action was wrong. That action was sinful. That action hurt that person. In fact, quite honestly, because it's sin, it's, it's hurting you, John. But oftentimes, that's not the voice I hear when I've spoken harshly to somebody, treated somebody the way I shouldn't have. The voice I hear is more like this. You seriously call yourself a Christian, John? Are you kidding me? You can talk to somebody that way, and then you could stand up and preach before these people on Sunday? You hypocrite. You no good, worthless. You, you think God could actually forgive you again for acting that way, for being that person? What's the difference? The difference is here the Holy Spirit is speaking to me about the sinful action that I did because He convicts of sin. The words here are not words about the sin, they're words about me. They're words of condemnation. Romans 8 says, if you are in Christ today, there is no condemnation. So I know this. If I hear condemning words, can that be from God? No. It cannot be from God because there is no condemnation. Who could that be from? <laughs> you remember, remember? I didn't even think of that. Remember that from Saturday Night Live? Could it be Satan? You guys remember that from back in the 80s or something? Or? Revelation chapter 12 says that our enemy, the devil, that he accuses children of God, brothers and sisters, he accuses us day and night. You hear this voice over here? You're a person who's in Christ and you hear this voice over here? You're not hearing the Holy Spirit. You're hearing condemnation. And we need to say, we need to say, 
I won't listen to that because there is no condemnation for me because I am in Christ Jesus. I will definitely listen to conviction. I will hear that. And I will try my best to respond. And with God's help and the Holy Spirit's help, I will respond. Back to Hosea. The last 11 chapters in the book of Hosea are mostly poetry. Mostly poetry, and they're describing God's feelings. I don't know if you ever think about God having feelings, but I believe that's what the last 11 chapters are doing. They're describing the feelings of God. His hurt, His anger at the spiritually adulterous actions of His people Israel. He seems to consider throughout those 11 chapters the possibility of destroying His people completely. And yet, over and over, he cannot bring himself to do what indeed would be just. It would be right. It would be fair. And he can't bring himself to do it. It's his, the feelings of God. That's the last 11 chapters. The first three chapters, chapter 1, 2, and 3 of Hosea, are a picture of God's love, of God's heart, of really God's character. That's what the first three chapters are a picture of. So a quick recap, in case you weren't here or you've never read the book or you don't know what I'm talking about. Just a quick recap of the story of Hosea. God tells this prophet, Hosea, I want you, Hosea, to go marry, listen to me close, a prostitute. That is, Hosea, I want you to choose a person who has not acted in a way to deserve this relationship from you. And so he does. He chooses a woman who is a prostitute named Gomer. If you never read the book, it's a funny name. Gomer. That's who he chooses. And he brings her home as his wife. And I have to tell you that somebody I believe is here today who needed to hear just that, what I just said, and that is that God chooses people who don't deserve to be chosen. Some of you feel like you have just done too much bad. You have gone too far. You have fallen beyond God's reach. And the book of Hosea says, no, no, no. How do you think Gomer felt? How do you think this woman felt? This kind, wise, honest, unselfish man chooses her and brings her to his house as his wife. She must have thought, there is a mistake here. There's some mistake. Something is wrong. But the book of Hosea, the book of Hosea says there is no mistake here. This is the character of our God. After being chosen, after living for a few years as a wife and a stay-at-home mom, Gomer gets bored, apparently. She longs for the bad boys of her past, and she heads for the cheating side of town, and that's where she stays. She leaves Hosea. She leaves him rejected and scorned. She leaves him a single dad taking care of three little ones all by himself. If you've never read the story before, if you're hearing the story for the first time, you've got to think, well, that's it. That's the end. That's the end of the story. I mean, that girl Gomer, she had her chance. 
Game over. You made your bed, girl. Now you sleep in it. And I believe God knew that we would feel that way because God knows that's the way we feel about other people when, when we see that they've blown it. It's just the honest truth. We struggle with these feelings of, well, you're the one who made that decision. Tough for you. Too bad. Good luck. You had your chance. We struggle with these feelings. God knew we would, and so he tells this story in a way that we would rise up inside of us because here's really what we're getting to, folks. God knows this as well. He knows we feel that way about ourselves when we've blown it. And so he gives us this living parable to show us what? His character. God speaks to this prophet, this single dad sitting at his house after a long day of taking care of the kiddos and grieving the loss of his wife. And God says this to him, Hosea, I want you to go buy your wife back. Go purchase your wife back who chose to leave go purchase her and Hosea is quite a guy he must have loved God a lot to obey that command I don't know I don't know if I could have obeyed that command but Hosea is not the hero of the story folks it's not a book about Hosea God is the hero of the story He's the one who chooses to buy back His people when we have been unfaithful to Him. The book of Hosea is here to show you and me that God is not like us. God's not like us. He's not a man. He is our God. And His love is greater than we can imagine. I want you to listen to this section of Scripture and you can read along if you'd like in chapter 11. But I'd like for you to listen to three parts here in chapter 11 that really tell the story again in, in some poetic style. Listen to chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It's God speaking. And he says, it was I, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. It's God describing. He chose these people. He chose the Israelites. They were not there was nothing about them that made them worthy to be chosen. But he says, I chose them. I picked them. And then verses 5-7, through seven, look what happens next. God says, will they now? He's saying now after they've rejected me. Will they not return to Egypt? And will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? A sword will flash in their cities. It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me. Even though they call me God Most High, I will by no means exalt them. It's God's people rejecting Him 
And it is God describing the just punishment that they deserve. This is what they deserve. Wipe them off the face of the planet. They don't deserve all this love that I've given them. And look at God's heart in verse 8 and 9. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused, God says. So I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again, for I am God and not a man. The Holy One among you. I will not come against their cities. Here's our God. Our God's heart of love for His people. And it's the purpose of this book. It's to give us a glimpse into His great character, into His great love. One commentator One commentator said this. He said that the picture of God's love told in the book of Hosea is only surpassed by one story, and that's the story of Jesus Christ coming to this earth, dying on the cross for our sins, buried in a grave, and raised to life again to offer us the gift of eternal life. You, sitting here today, may never ever, maybe, you may never ever read this story again. Your Bible may never again fall open to that Old Testament page in the middle of those neglected books that we never look at. Your Bible may never again open up to the book of Hosea, but I pray and I hope that you'll never forget this story Because it's so important for you and for me to remember how much God loves us. He loves you. I have to say the question is still there for me. Why? Why does He love the likes of me? I'm going to give you two reasons as we kind of move toward the end of our lesson today. The first reason is the one we've been talking about. It's because of who He is. He's not a man. The Bible says He is love. And that truth about Him is not based on your behavior or my behavior. It's based on His character. His love doesn't prove what great people we are. A lot of people think that sometimes. Like they're like, man, God loves me so much, I feel great about myself. I'm a really great person. His great love does not prove what great people we are. But instead, our undeserving lives prove what a great God we serve. That's the difference. We need to grab a hold of that. We need to realize why would He love someone like me? Because of who He is. That's the reason. But there's a second reason. And it's also because of who you are. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
I think it's, I think it's powerful to consider this. The Bible doesn't say God loved the world so He gave His Son. It doesn't say that. It says God so loved. God so loved. Let that soak in for a minute. God so loved. Have you ever known anybody who has a bad case of the so loves? It's my mom. I'm 52 years old and she's in her 70s. And she still cries when I walk into her house. I talked to her on the phone this weekend and she can't stop saying on the phone, okay, well, I love you. All right, okay. All right, mom. Love you too. See you later. Okay, I love you. I love you with all my heart. She sends me a birthday card and she underlines every single word on the card. And she underlines some of them like five times. She's got this horrible case of the soul loves. She can't help herself. She's not just making it up or trying to do it. She can't help herself. She got a bad case of the soul loves. When Amy and I got married, we stood at the front of a church like this. We said our vows to each other. And we walked out the back door. And the wedding party followed us out the door. And then our families came out, and our grandparents and our parents, and they walked out, and we were all gathered back there, and we were all, all right, you know, high five and hugs. And somebody who was in charge, probably my mother-in-law, said, um, we, we got to go. We got to go over here and get to the reception line. And so everybody, oh, here we go. And we all ran to the reception line. And it left, the running out of this, the area left my dad and I standing in the back. And he just looked at me, and then we embraced, and he wept. It was like deep waters. There was no words to even say anything. He just has this horrible case of the so loves. And I didn't understand any of that, really, to be honest. When I was young, when I was a teenager, when I was in my 20s, until I was about in my early 30s, I didn't, I didn't get it until I held this little baby girl and this little baby boy. And I got this really bad case of the solos. And it's why even now people ask me sometimes, I drove past the church before the sun was up and you were, what, were you, what was your truck doing there so early? Why were you there? Well, I had to go, I had to go early. I had to go early today. I had to get my work done in advance because I had to leave the office early because Josh has a baseball game over in Portales and I got to drive three and a half hours over there and watch him pitch. And I get there and I sit in the beauty of Portales, right? And I sit on a hard bench and I sit there and I watch uh, pitcher after pitcher pitch and I'm waiting for Josh to get up there. And, and, and then finally, you know, he gets up and he pitches to maybe two batters and he throws 10 pitches and I'm like, it's like my, I'm like with him. I'm like on the mound with him. Like every, like it's my arm and his arm. And I just feel like my whole self is right there with him. And then I, I drive home, I drive home and I get home late and I'm exhausted and, and I don't even care. I'm glad I was happy to go because I got this horrible case of the soul loves for my son, Josh. And it's why yesterday, Amy and I were talking to 
Raina on the phone, and she, we were asking, are you going to get to come back to Rodoso for Thanksgiving? Because she has two jobs in Lubbock, and we weren't sure if she was. And she said, yeah, I'm going to get to come home Wednesday and stay till Sunday. And both of us, <gasps> I mean, we can hardly breathe. We're so glad. We're so happy because we got this horrible case of the soul loves. And if she called right now on the phone and she said, Dad, I need you in Lubbock right now, I'd walk off this stage and I'd leave all of you here to figure out what to do. And I'd go get in my truck and I'd go see Raina right now because I got a bad, bad case of the soul loves. And some of you parents, I see you out on the soccer fields and you're running down the side and you're screaming and you're yelling. You're like, make the goal, kick it, kick it, yeah! You're going crazy and it's this ridiculous makes no sense, running around, knocking people over, screaming at the refs. I'm like, that guy goes to our church, that ref. I don't care! That's my son out there. I'm like, dude, the guy, your son is six. You know, settle down, all right? (laughs) But you can't settle down because you've got a horrible, horrible, horrible case of the soul loves. And Hosea is here in this book to tell you today God has a horrible case of the so loves for you. And I know that's true. I'm convinced that's true because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. And I'm convinced that that word includes you. That He has a case of the so loves for you. Back to Hosea, the parable, the story that's supposed to tell us about a bigger story. Who is Hosea? Hosea is Jesus. Because God said to Jesus, go and buy these unfaithful people back. And who is Gomer? I am. And you are. We're a bunch of Gomers gathered up in a place today because our Hosea came and found us. John The Apostle is one of the Gomers. It's one of the Gomers that Jesus got. And four or five times in his book, he calls himself, he calls himself the audacity to say this about yourself. (laughs) He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. He embraced it. He knew it. He grabbed a hold of the truth that's in the Bible and he said, I'm going to believe it. No place in the book of John does it say, I was the disciple who loved Jesus. No. And many of us see Christianity that way and we turn the thing around and we make it all point that decision. You better love him more and that's good. That's an important thing. But that's not the heart of Christianity. The heart of Christianity is that you are the disciple that Jesus loves. That's the truth. John writes a whole letter 
in 1 John about love. The whole thing is about love. And in chapter 4, look what he says. Look what he says in chapter 4. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. He loved us gomers. That's love. Not that you're such a good person and you love Him so much. That's not love. Because you don't. You're not very good at it. And it's okay. Because He loves the gomers in this world. And He sent His Son. He sent His Hosea as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And you would expect Him to say, so since I sent Jesus to get all you gomers, you better love me pretty good. You better, you better love me more. I'm not saying you shouldn't love God. I'm just talking about this Scripture and what it says. He says this, Dear friends, since God so loved all of us gomers, we ought to love all the other gomers. No one has ever seen God. People want empirical evidence and there will never be enough to satisfy people about God and whether He's there or not. There will never be enough to satisfy people in this world. But there is empirical evidence. And here it is. If we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. His love and His existence are evident, visible, seen in our love for the other gomers in the world. And so we finish today with two questions. Do you believe? Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that you can't change His love? I wasn't raised that way. I was raised to believe that His love changed all the time according to how I did that week. Do you believe the truth of the Bible that His love is unconditional? No conditions. Do you believe it? That He loves you that way. If you live the next week, a horrible week, the next month, the next 10 years, if you live a horrible 10 years, will God love you less? The Bible says no. The Bible says He will love you the same. What if you grow closer and closer and closer to Christ? What if you look more and more and more like Jesus over the next 10 years? Will Jesus love you more? Will God love you more? The Bible says no. Because His love is unconditional. You cannot change His love. And if you have not believed that, I beg you, to go look at the Gospel again. To go look at the good news. To go embrace the Gospel. If you don't believe it, you've still got, you still got, God's got some work to do in your heart. Let's put it that way. Here's the second question. Are you willing to go to the other gomers in the world? Because they're everywhere, folks. Every day, they're all around us. And I know I can ask you that question and you can sit here in church and you go, yeah, I probably will. Or I'm going to try. Or I guess I think so. I mean, yeah, it sounds good. That's a neat story, John. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. There's a guy named Michael Gunger. And he's one of my favorite 
writers of worship music, worship songs. And he sings a song, and he says, I'm singing from inside the church. He's saying, I'm inside. I'm inside the walls of us. I go every week. And he's saying, I'm singing this song from inside. And he says, I want to sing it to the people on the outside who aren't here with us today. I want to sing it to the other gomers who are out there. There's a bunch of us gomers in here, but I want to sing it for the people out there. Parts of our family who are still out there away from our family. It's a song of confession. It really is. It's a song that says to people that we've failed, please forgive us. We know we've messed up. Please forgive us. We want to do better. And so I want you to hear this song today as we finish. And the words are on the wall and I want... Maybe you can join Michael Gunger. Maybe you can join him in this confession. And maybe it can make a difference in your heart and my heart as we go out to the other gomers this week.
Some churches exist to help Christian people be nicer people. Some churches exist to make sure that the saints are comfortable. But it's been my experience over the last 20 years or more that Gateway exists to grow. to grow closer to Christ, and to encourage others, other gomers, to grow closer to Christ. We have always done an awesome job, in my opinion, of being that kind of church, and I'm praying that we'll continue to be that kind of church. Lord, help us. Help us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that You initiated this relationship, that You so love us. And we respond today with grateful hearts today. And we say, we love You too, God. And Lord, now give us the courage and the compassion to go out and so love others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Gomers here today? Any gomers who have actually been living far away from Jesus and here you are today? God met you here on purpose to tell you you are so loved. Why don't you come home? It's an opportunity for you to do that while we stand and while we sing. This is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures. Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweet.
sweetness, come in thy fullness, stamp thine own image deep on my heart.